Welcome to Back in the Field. My name is Carl. And my name is Arthi, and today we're talking about the defense rests. This is podcast number 37. Thanks, you guys, for listening to our guest guest podcast last week. It was, a, little, it was a lot of fun to record. <laughs> yes, if you did. It was a lot of fun to record. Uh, as a measure of our devotion, we are currently recording during Snow Apocalypse 2015. Prequel to Snow Apocalypse 2016. I don't care what snow uh. it is. <laughs> It could be Snogonarok no, for all I care. <laughs> That's actually, that was really good. Yeah. In the Defense Rest, there are three major plot lines. Um, Carl, why don't you tell us about the A-plot? The A-plot involves Jake getting his ass dumped. <laughs> could could you be a little more, could you he be a little more broad? Lawyers, and then there's problems. Less broad? Do you want me to keep trying to calibrate? Uh, Jake is put on pause in his relationship with Sophia by Sophia because all of her co-workers, including her boss, hates him and are punishing her career for dating him. This being an acceptable move on their part, Jake goes to the fancy pants lawyer's ball of lawyering uh, where he and Terry make a mess of everything when he finds Sophia's boss snorting some cocaine. Meanwhile, in the B-plot, back at the precinct... Gina is not giving Boyle's dad permission to propose to her mom. Amy decides to assist with this situation by using conflict resolution skills that she picked up at a seminar, and also apparently a giant binder. Girl likes seminars and binders. You know, I gotta gotta respect that. Um, a- Amy Amy actually does resolve the situation with a little negotiation, and you know, using her skills as a public notary as well as a cop. Uh, Gina grants Lynn permission to propose to her mom. And then they get married, they get, like, engaged immediately. Like... Not unlike Boyle and Vivian, we should talk about that. Pretty pretty sure they were already engaged. Something, who knows. And then finally, in the C-plot... In the C-plot, Wunsch has come to halt for a recommendation for a job in the Boston PD which Holt eventually gives her at Rose's advice, and then things go to a very, very dark place. Let's start with that very, very dark place, since we started this podcast on Apocalypse Talk anyway. (laughs) Carl is not happy about this plotline. Honestly, neither am I, but Carl has more uh, decided opinions about this. This plotline was going pretty well. Like, Rosa Rosa and Holt are a proven winning couple. In terms of, like, the way they interact with each other. They know each other. They know, like, what they like. They're alike in a lot of very important ways. And, like, when Rosa is explaining the the depth of her passion for revenge, like, you can hear Holt getting turned on, even. Like, it's a good <laughs> he... pairing. Mm-hmm. Uh and Holt ends up doing the right thing, and he has the best burn. Like, I don't know if there's anything I've laughed as hard at uh, as the elaborate setup for the Boston tickets. I mean, okay, yeah, but I didn't appreciate the, like, unsubtle fat joke that came in there. I think his line is something like yeah, the, the, the chubby, chubby Kristen Chenoweth. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't appreciate that. That's, that's like, it wasn't, it the wasn't, third time? It wasn't perfect. Fourth? Yeah, they they no. they do it a lot, but like the concept of him giving her this really layered gift that basically says, "Now you have to listen to the Boston version of a Broadway musical." I appreciated ninety percent of that. It was it was such a great like perfectly New York moment of someone being like. Fuck you guys and fuck your Boston. <laughs> like, like, I've lived in both Boston and New York. And I had the experience yeah, right. of, before I moved to Boston, I already wanted to move to Boston. And I, like, didn't root for sports at all, but I did root for New York for Boston sports teams. Then I came to Boston, and it was fine. I never went to a musical once, because why would I? <laughs> then I moved to New York, and I have been to musicals. And I'm like, oh yeah, Broadway. It's pretty okay. And if I went yeah, to Boston, we right I here. wouldn't go to a musical. I might go to, like, Philharmonic or something. They have the great, like... Philharmonic they is have action. 
yeah, they have great, like, they have a great orchestral scene, but I definitely would not go see, like, they've also theater. Got a, they've also got, like, a lot of tourist stuff in Boston. Like, they've got a, a number of good scenes. They've got some decent experimental theater. They don't, like, they get off, off, off Broadway touring productions, you know? <laughs> also, the Boston Philharmonic will blow out of the water any kind of orchestral music that's going on in New York on a regular basis. Better things come to Carnegie mm-hmm. Hall, but that's the exception. And that's just on tour. But going back to the whole plot line... Yeah, the um, thing about it I... is... <laughs> Wait, before before you do that, I, sure. all I wanted to say was I wanted more from this be, only because I wish we could have gotten like Holt's first draft where he like totally burns lunch... Like, I I would have loved to read read the first version of his like unrecommendation letter. Yeah, that would have like, been a good additional. Similar scene. to his, similar to his like Brian Jensen, or do you want a nothing who came from nothing and achieved nothing? <laughs> but okay, I'm I'm done. That's the only addition I would have made to this plotline. So, but yeah, Carl, you got a great addition. point, and I want you to make it. Uh, <laughs> the thing that happens directly after he gives her those tickets is Deputy Chief Wunsch of the New York Police Department sexually assaults her subordinate with whom she has a complicated and fraught professional relationship. She even explicitly says before laying one on him that she's ha- she's got more power over him now than she's ever had before. There are so many levels of like problems here. Yeah, and she literally silences him before like making out with him. Like God, it's so bad. This is horrific. This is this is I, I will say the one thing I appreciate with this is that it's it's an unusual gender reverse reversal oh. of what is of this paradigm. Okay, but I mean I think they just I think that they're using that as some kind of flimsy shield and I'm not gonna put up with it. Like, they're definitely not thinking about it as hard as I am right now. I'm not gonna pretend otherwise. Yeah, I mean this would be worse if the gender roles were reversed, but it's a kind of it's so far beyond the pale that worse or better barely comes into it. Mm-hmm. Like, Holt is a very visible member of the NYPD, but that doesn't make him less vulnerable. And he says in the first episode that one of the ways that he got as far as he did is by being a good soldier. Yeah, I um, I don't think this is the last we're going to hear about this. I also think there's going to be repercussions. They it's fucking better actually be. going to be really... Yeah, well, duh. There's definitely going to be. I mean, based on based on press releases for episodes coming in the future, it sounds like this does get addressed directly. Uh, not next week, but the week after, I think. That's speculation, um, right? Yeah, yeah. I, but it it right now nothing else would make sense um, for what that press release seems to indicate. Regardless, this can be the last time we hear about this for a lot of reasons. Not the least of which being the last time we saw a sexual harassing abuser on the show, they got, like, it was pretty clearly called out. Like, the vulture's behavior is never pretended to be okay. Yeah, and... but he keeps his job. Like, I think they've I think they've established precedent of people smack-talking people who are abusers. There's, there's no internal sense of justice being done. Which might be a little too true to life. Yeah, major crimes. He's also in a privileged, powerful position over the people he's taking cases from, and he's smacking their asses and asking them on dates while he's taking cases from them. If they could solve the lunch problem, they would have solved the vulture problem. Yeah, I mean, I guess we're just going to have to see. Cause like, yeah, I, I hope I'm wrong. I really hope I'm wrong. Yeah. I think I I do, I mean, I can't think of any... I mean, Michael Scott, but, like... You have to fill me in which specific terrible thing did Michael Scott do. I mean, I know he was always hitting on everyone. He sexually <laughs> harassed... Con- what's his name? Tony? Oscar. Oscar. That, that's specifically the moment I'm thinking of in uh, Witch Hunt. Yeah. Gay Witch Hunt. That's the episode. So, I mean, I guess we're just going to have to see. Yep. Apparently, I believe... So, on on a semi-related note... I believe that's the take that ends. It gets cut off, obviously, but like Prentice Penny, who wrote, who co-wrote the episode with Matt O'Brien, was saying they did at least one take where Holt, uh, sorry, Andre Brar says, "What the fuck?" 
And it was too fast. Well, I think I think he does say like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, well, that's clearly what he's saying. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I don't want to talk about this anymore because I kind of need to see how it shakes out before I can really have strong opinions, stronger opinions beyond how dare that how what beyond beyond just like meaningless sputtering because that's really all I have right now. Yeah, I could have stronger opinions. Um, but they'd have to actively fuck it up further. Yeah, I don't. I don't. This could this become one something really good. Yeah, but I'm worried. I think. I think we have. I think it's totally not to like defend the show because that's crazy. But like, <laughs> no. But like, I do want to let the show decide how it moves from here before I make like knee jerk opinions. Because, like you said, there's so much potential moving forward with how to handle this, both realistically and from a comedy standpoint. Like, there's a lot of potential here. And they've been pretty good so far about not... about avoiding the easy jokes and going for, like, better ones. Both here and in Parks and Rec and and so on. So I don't think this I'm is willing... an easier joke. I just also don't think it's a better one. So, So by easy jokes, I mean the easy jokes are the ones that are terrible, right? Like victim blaming and so on. I'm saying like, right. this is a creative team that's been historically good about not going for that kind of low hanging fruit and instead working a little bit harder for better jokes. So I'm willing to give them a length of rope here, mm-hmm. but you know, if they're, if they're going to hang themselves with it, that's, that remains to be seen. Yeah. Uh, at this point, we can either move from this to the other thing I'm upset about or give people some, like, joy in the middle. Up to you. Joy. Joy in the middle because I want to end on Jake and Sophia because okay. that conversation is going to lead into itself. That sounds like a messy, endless nightmare. <laughs> well, it's not an Ouroboros conversation. Yeah, but... good. <laughs> Fenrir, why? Oh, my God. Okay, so. Do not so eat the sun. Let's, uh. Let's move on to the B plot because it, I think the, I think the B plot there's not much is more where to... Jormungard consumes uh, or strangles the world, right? Stop it! I won't. There's so many more things that go wrong in Ragnarok. Oh my god! So meanwhile, in the B plot of the defense rests, uh, you know one of the things that we had speculated about earlier was that um, Boyle and Gina working together would rekindle their relationship. That theory is so fully tanked. Well, it's kind of like the inverse of what actually happened in a way that makes us related to right. <laughs> so it was so opposite to what we suggested that we're <laughs> still kind of correct. Yes. What I'm saying is sure. I cannot be wrong. That works. That's what I'm, I'm content to... I'm, I'm content to, to accept that my white male colleague is always right. Don't, please. <laughs> I've done something terribly wrong. Everything I've worked for has been undone. Oh, no. <laughs> um, Luckily, there wasn't that much of it yet. Gene, yeah. I, 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 like, I did like this plot line, though. Yeah, um, I liked it, too. I think that, uh, I think that my ship is sailing. Is it? So I don't know. So let me tell you some things about what gets resolved here. One, Boyle and Gina are planning a wedding together not their wedding but it is a rehearsal too and Boyle is super into Gina's ideas for the wedding yes which it's is really like awesome. it's very obvious that they're still totally in sync about everything <laughs> she says what's up and he agrees with her that's how the relationship works two Gina's put herself in a position to threaten Lynn Boyle where she has to be constantly aware of Boyle's testicular status <laughs> what she, she has become the keeper of Boyle's genital area Okay. Because if things go wrong, she's going to chop his balls off. That was interesting that she picked that threat because Boyle's dad had literally just said that her mom was better for him than his own son. Well, then he's got to prove it. You know what I wonder? Also, I wonder if also Boyle's... the end of Boyle's testicles would be the death of his line. That is something. <laughs> Apparently. I, I was going to say... I I have a I have a very strong suspicion that Boyle's sister and Gina would get along either too well or too badly. Or not at all. Those are the options. Wait, no, that's one of the things you already said. Fuck me. Too well or too badly. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> it's it's okay, Carl. Snowmageddon okay. is upon us. The that that said, um, I was having in that in that interrogation room scene, I was having like full boil flashbacks to Amy and Boyle reacting to Gina and Lynn. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's intentional. I hope so. Uh, I think that the, that's one of two. Uh, very strong visual motifs or uh, callbacks in this episode. Um, so I think they were doing that intentionally. And I would like you later to look up who directed this versus who directed Full Boil and The Bet. Okay. Or I not can do The that. Bet, Charges and Specs. Because there's a really strong Charges and Specs callback. With with uh, the, la- the last scene? Yeah. It's the same location or similar oh my enough, god right i it's the same parking lot it might be further around the corner bad things happen you're to right. jake in that parking lot oh my god you're right oh i didn't even think about that wait okay we can't we're jumping ahead of ourselves yeah but i i, I think there's an, a pair of intentional callbacks here yeah um, full boil is definitely one i was gonna say the other one that i saw was um there was the full boil there was also a bit of an unsolvable par- parallel at the end Sort of, I guess. Not as not as strong. I mean, there's bet parallels too. Yeah, I. I mean, I think that they're doing some clever things with staging for for callbacks, which I think is in a different category than just past scenarios that they're calling back to. Fair enough. There are moments that feel like season one moments, and I hadn't realized how much I was missing those season one moments until. We had them again, and it felt like it had been a while. Which ones are you thinking of? I don't know. Just, like, group camaraderie scenes, I guess. Honestly, and LaToya's review for this episode mentions this, and I think Seppenwalls does, too. Like, we haven't had a case in a while. And I almost kind of wish that the B-plot for this episode had just been one big case. Um... I'm going to disagree with you there because I don't want to get rid of the B-plot that was already there. Also, like, Jake accidentally solves a crime. Yeah, that's true. Okay, well, we'll get to that. Um, I do want to say continued stealth MVP work by Melissa Fumero in this episode. I really Her, like, don't binder think sniff. you know what the word stealth means, Arthie. I'm sorry? <laughs> I just, I don't understand the phrase stealth MVP. It's like when you're doing support work really well. Uh, when when everything is working really well, the amount of effort you're putting into it isn't obvious. And then when everything is broken, the amount of effort you're not putting into it is extremely obvious. Okay. In this case, in this case, just I, so I laughed out loud at a lot of other moments, but Amy was really, like, really funny in this episode. Every, like, she little thing that she had. She met the comptroller. Although I will say there's a certain amount of laziness here because they literally just had, like, not six days ago, Terry Gergich. <laughs> he's he he's been Terry renamed Gergich again. now? Yes. Where did he become he, Terry? This, in, when he's they jumped be forward Carl to 20. in five episodes. <laughs> Probably. And well, I when, will burn the world. Well, when Gary, Cherry, Larry, Terry, Gergich. Gergich. <laughs> when in this most recent episode of Parks, um, he says that he's a notary public and he met the comptroller. It's the same fucking Wait, line. Wait, did they write the same joke? <laughs> they okay, wrote the same fucking joke for two that's episodes. That's like for two related shows, and I know there sure are different and networks. Sure, really but... bored. Like, not sorry. Sure and Gur are really lazy about some things. Not as lazy as Sorkin, but well, no. I mean, it's not like in two different shows they had a character who just happened to be named Muhammad Al Muhammad bin Muhammad bin Vizier. So I know that happened, yep. but like, but like, I was thinking about how Josh Lyman and Sam Seaborn are Casey McCall and Dan Rydell. I don't know who those latter two humans are. I only know who Muhammad uh, Al Muhammad Al Muhammad bin Vizier is. Our audience knows presumably who Casey and Dan are. Probably a couple of them do. Yeah, hopefully. More, more to the point. Uh, yes, I don't. I don't know if I would want to replace this B plot, but I also like kind of. I kind of hope. 
I think next week is the hostages episode, and I think I'm really hoping we get a we get a case plot soon. And I know that's weird for me to be like, man, I really want this comedy that I like, this sitcom about cops, to fucking have a goddamn mystery. No, it's but not. Jesus. That was the best part of the first season. The episodes where mysteries? they were trying to solve something were the best. It's too early for them to do an Archer Vice. Hmm? It, so in Archer's fifth season, they rebooted the concept. And had them not be spies anymore, but instead be drug dealers. <laughs> they never, what? I think they never actually succeeded at selling any drugs. Like, at first they had drugs, but one of the characters got addicted to the drugs and kept eating the drugs. And then they <laughs> traded drugs for, like, contraband money, which they tried to trade for weapons, which they tried, they kept trying to turn the things they had into money. I don't think they succeeded. It was called Archer Vice. In the season after that, they're going back to Archer. <laughs> Although I don't know if they can be named Isis anymore. Oh, yeah. I don't think so. Well, maybe that's part of the reboot, right? They were like, well, we can't be Isis anymore. Too Somebody else that. took that. Archer Vice happened before Isis. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. So, back back to... Yes, I, I, I feel kind of weird being like, man, give me a... Give me a case, but like I really do want a case, and I miss cases. And I know mysteries are hard; mysteries are really hard. But you, like, you gotta make a plot that works. <laughs> you gotta set up so, a problem, then solve it. So, speaking of problems that are set up and solved, uh, Sophia and Jake go on a break, pretty much at the start of the a plot. Still so smooth. Okay, I know you are like being sarcastic, but that one was better than most. Jake has a problem to solve. Sophia can't be with him because apparently her dating a cop is holding back her career. Let's say won't. Won't keep dating him because her career? Yeah, like Sophia won't keep dating him because the rest of her workplace is giving her shit for it. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which, she's a very ambitious person. That's fine and good. It's one of the things that she has in common with Amy. And 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 actually makes me like jake a lot is the fact that he's not intimidated by ambitious women yeah the thing is i mean i understand there's tension between these two occupations but like her boss not giving her good cases because she's dating someone is legally actionable yeah you think a defense attorney would know that it's more of a prosecutor thing but yeah she just doesn't want to go for that gambit she doesn't want to rock the boat I, okay, so this is one of the this is one of the like a handful of places in this episode where I think we have differing opinions. I think Sophia, like I know she says we were, I know she eventually like straight out dumps him, but I think she was trying to go for the soft, the soft no, and like sort of be like, let's go on a break and then just sort of let it die naturally by them growing apart, and then Jake sort of intercedes. Possibly, I mean, I don't think there's hard enough evidence to make that certain. I don't know. I just, everything about, like, and, and and I know you disagree, but, like, everything about that scene with them walking in the park and her being like, let's sit, hey, I really need to talk to you, you know, it, it felt like she was, there were a lot of small things that, and, and maybe, maybe this is me, like, imposing certain gender norms, but, like, it felt like, it felt like a breakup in, like, the nicest way possible. Just like, well, they hadn't been dating very long, you know, it's not that serious, so she was like, let's just go on a break and assumed that like their differences would make it so that, you know, they naturally drifted apart and then it wouldn't be a breakup. It would just be a break that ended up being an up. So the thing that makes me want to agree with you is that uh, she basically said, let's just put this on pause until I can figure out how to fix it. She wasn't trying to fix it. Mm-mm. So, I mean, yeah. I think that she might have gone on into that intending not to break up. But I think she realizes over the course of this episode that she's really not going to put in the work. Well, Jake says the L word, right? Yes, he does. Jake says, I love that and I love you. And Sophia's like, uh, oh. That's jumping forward a little bit. But yeah, he does. Um, And he's not prepared for that. But... But I appreciate him being like, well, I'm going to lean into it now that it's out there. Get on board, Terry. We were already <laughs> on a mission from Cupid. 
Speaking of, Terry was so good in this episode. Yes, he was. Oh my god! This was the and I. This was the episode. I think they're finally figuring out how to tune the race dynamic between uh, Jake and Terry so that it's there but not really fucking awkward. With the like twelve years of slave thing, with Terry being like, "No, don't, don't, don't." They also went back to like Jake being just sort of like starstruck by Terry's strength, where he's like. He's like, let's get into a physical fight and I win at the beginning. And then he says later, he's like, bump me on the shoulders. And Terry like gets into boxing position. And Jake's like, wait, no, stop. Nope, bad idea. <laughs> they they went back to the thing that we liked was like from um, Halloween one where he was like, you're so strong. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm glad they're going back to leaning on that because. I don't feel like they, lo- they leaned on that that hard. They were more doing the joke where Jake pretends that he and Terry are the same strongs. Right. But it's still like, it's still more in line with that and not with the race stuff, which was awkward and uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. It's unclear why he brings Terry. Like, that's the part that the episode doesn't even really try to explain. Well, I think Boyle was too, would be too embarrassing. No, it's unclear why he brought anyone. But... You're right. Actually, I don't know why they bring Terry along. Like, now that I think about it, like, I appreciate that Terry's there. You know, nobody looks finer in a suit than Mr. Terry Crews. But why is Terry there? Aside from simply aside from being straight up like moral support here. Yeah, I don't know. Like, that's my question. I guess comedically he doesn't fit in any of the other plot lines. Yeah, he's and he does really good things in this plot line. And it's important that he be there to deliver the sum up of what the show's morality is on Jake's course of police action. I think that is important. But they didn't do enough work to place him there. There's some unsolvable parallels here. And I think that this might have just been part of like building that i think i I think that one of the yeah i think that what you're feeling is that um terry's the person who can give jake romantic advice that he'll eventually listen to yeah well we haven't seen holt give i don't know if i want to see holt give jake romantic advice but i don't think it would be applicable it's also worth noting that terry is there when jake and sophia start and terry is there when jake and sophia end yeah so I think I think it might also have it's narratively just sound, right? Of of course he's there when they start and when they finish. And and I mean Terry is there also to sort of serve as the audience's voice. When Jake says I love that and I love you and T- Terry goes, "Oh." Uh, <laughs> like, but specifically the that that doesn't mean anything without Sophia's line, uh this is a weird way for you to say <laughs> you love me for the first time. <laughs> and, you're right. You're and right. Terry's like, "Oh no." <laughs> Yeah, but Terry's and, 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 and Terry and Jake's like, was it? <laughs> He's so desperate. <laughs> Which, but Terry at every point does say all the things that I feel like the audience would be saying. So Jake's like, I don't look desperate. Talking is desperate. Which is what eventually they end up doing. Yeah. And then Terry, what, they do the egg roll measurement. And Terry's like, you ate that off the floor. And Jake's like, you're on the floor. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, uh... But that's that's not the... I mean, Terry Terry's presence is neither here nor there. The part that's actually tough is the part... Well, first, I appreciate that Jake approaches getting to know Chris Parnell. I don't even care about his character's name. Chris Parnell. Dr. Like, Space he frames Man. it out his like... His character's his... name is Dr. Spaceman. <laughs> yes, yeah, so... Lawyer he gets Spaceman. to knowing... <laughs> uh, Spachemin Esquire? No, Spaceman. Spaceman okay, Esquire? Space... Okay, so he gets to know Spaceman Esquire. Well, like he does it. He does. He does internet research, and then he lays it out like it's a case. They even have the sting music. I don't for, like, understand how he got that on the board in time to talk to Terry about it. He prepped it way in advance. Like he just flips the board over, and there's all this information it's been there for like, weeks. Jake. Yeah, clearly. He's been sitting there um, hoping no one uses the other side of that board. <laughs> well, maybe no one else had to. There was a blank side doesn't matter point being i appreciate that jake went after getting to know spaceman esquire like it was a it was a case like it was the insolvable case but you know the the coke thing is problems yeah it is 
it's a big problem. So we've talked before about how this show handles the war on drugs and how we're mm-hmm. we're kind of on again, off again with it. Like sometimes we love it, sometimes we hate it. Mm-hmm. One of the things that they've done is that they've had most of their violent criminals be white. And most of the the drug-related crimes criminals be not white, but also more sympathetic. Um, Spaceman's a big diverging point from this, because he's unequivocally caught doing drugs. And because of his connections, Jake's move is to get him let off on community service. See, and that's a huge, and, huge, huge problem. And I see where you're coming from, and I don't disagree. I simply believe that arresting him was already kind of like a big move, and and whatever Jake's actions are, they're significantly overshadowed by Sophia effectively asking him to look the other way. Not just not just get the charges reduced to community service, but straight up drop them and move on. Well, so this is messy, right? Because it's her job to get him to drop the charges entirely and get her client off entirely. It's mm-hmm. literally her job. Mm-hmm. The thing is, she also wants him to do that and thinks it would have been the appropriate thing to do for the sake of their relationship. Like, she thinks he's bad for arresting him that's not true Yeah, she says she says explicitly there were 50 other ways for you to handle that and all i kept thinking every time i've watched this i keep thinking what are the 50 other ways because this is the only way i could see a reasonably like a detective with any amount of integrity handling the situation he saw someone taking drugs and then on top of that that person like it could have just been possession, and then he went and actually, like, did, like, snorted the coke. Did cocaine like, and, did, and confessed to it five times. In front and in front of multiple cop witnesses. Like, okay, that doesn't yeah. always hold up in court, in the but precinct. still. There's lots so, to be upset about here. One, and, thing, and while, one thing I want to avoid, like, though, is the idea mm-hmm. that because Sophia was the most wrong, Jake wasn't wrong. Because that is... Uh, taking sides after a breakup logic and is not, I think, applicable here. Multiple miscarriages of justice compound rather than subtracting from each other. Sure, sure. And and I'm 100% with you on that. The way the show fixes this for me is if Jake really doggedly pursues a top-level conviction for this guy for the right reasons. To make up for the fact that his instinct when when arresting his girlfriend's boss was to get him off on community service. Like, oh, the rich, connected white guy is the one who we are supposed to feel bad about having arrested, finally. Good job, show. You found cops. But but I feel like the show doesn't say that we should feel bad. And in fact, Chris Parnell, Dr. Spaceman Esquire, is such a D-bag the entire time he's under arrest. Like, I was telling you this earlier, like, Jake does everything correctly, Insofar as arresting that guy, he cuffs him with his hands in front so it's not as obvious he's being arrested. He keeps his voice down. It's not until Spaceman Esquire starts shouting that the attention gets drawn to what's happening between them. And then, you know, like, on, I can understand, so I understand, like, how you see this as a miscarriage of justice. I also think it's worth pointing out that it may be the more expedient option to let him plea out into community service. Why? He's going to fight it. He has the means and the... It wouldn't... wouldn't One could argue, and I'm not actually making this argument. I'm simply pointing it out. And I hate being devil's advocate here because it pisses me off. In general, so maybe I should stop. In general, you shouldn't be the lawyer for the devil. It's a good way to tell you're on the wrong side of an argument. <laughs> I concur. I'm, As a white like, guy, I, I can stop. tell you that, that is a white guy crime. <laughs> you're you're right. I guess I guess I guess all I'm saying is there is the argument to be made that there are bigger fish to fry. Maybe maybe he would have given up his dealer. I don't know about his life. I mean, the thing is that 
the cops don't care about persecuting cocaine, like prosecuting cocaine cases. Well, there's lower required minimums for cocaine mm-hmm. than for crack, even though it's the same drug taken in two different ways by two different like races. There's demographics. Yeah. Yeah. This case is as open and shut as it could be. And if you're going to say, like, they could put their resources toward a case they're more likely to win, um, they're more likely to win a case against someone with no resources. That's why the criminal justice system is broken. They should, I agree. They should prosecute the cases where they're absolutely fucking certain that a person in power broke the fucking law in front of them and doesn't think that he can be held accountable for it. You did point out that this is one of, like, Sophie is, a, is implied to be a fairly prestigious defense attorney, and her boss is also. I mean, I see how they're going to get him off this, this, these charges, but Spaceman's a perfect villain for Brooklyn Nine-Nine. He's the person they should go after. He's the person they've always hated, the impenetrable white guy. This show hates that person, and I didn't like the hesitation where Jake was trying to be on his side. I don't think he'll stay on his side, but I but that hesitation made me really clench up. It's one of those things where it's like, I don't know if he was on his side so much as, like, on his girlfriend's side. Yeah. Well, I mean, in general, I'm more on board with public defenders than with cops, but this time his girlfriend's on the wrong side. Well, I mean, his girlfriend, coming back to my point, his girlfriend straight up says, why didn't you look the other way? Yeah. That's not going to be how she gets Spaceman off the hook, though. Like, Jake was, like, there's all kinds of things that defenders can pull about cops being in places they shouldn't have been with an intention to make an arrest they didn't have a legal basis to expect. Why did he have handcuffs in his tux? There's all going to be all kinds of things. She's going to make a solid case for entrapment, and it's going to be slimy as fuck, and she's going to win. So spoilers, right? Yeah. She's in the next episode. Cool. I hope that she gets utterly destroyed by a really good prosecutor, and I don't think that's going to happen, because the prosecutor's name is Carl. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't think we're going to see Chris Parnell be a recurring Podolsky-type character, though that would be awesome. No, I mean, I think they could bring Parnell back for exactly one more episode. (laughs) Although I did have a great moment of imagining him and uh, Jeffrey Tambor in the same prison (laughs) sharing ice cream sandwiches. Oh, wait, you haven't watched Arrested Development. I know, I know he's the dad. Like, I know he's the Bluth patriarch. He spends a lot of time in jail having a really good time. Yeah, so I hear. So I saw, actually. I did watch the Banana Stand episode. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, other, can, I don't, I don't know if I want to keep talking about this. I, um, I want to talk about their breakup and then wrap the episode. Right. Okay. I meant, I meant the, the white collar crime. I meant that. Not, oh. not, I definitely want to talk about their breakup. Well, the first thing I want to talk about their breakup is that it wasn't Amy related. Thank fucking God. Yeah, that's And the good. second thing is, it, I mean, uh, Carl, it's you... never going to be Amy related. Sure. But I like that they sidestepped that entirely. Yeah. The other thing is that, Carl, you were super fucking right. It was their jobs that led to them being broken up. Well, it was really obvious. They started the position of disrespecting each other's like fucking life, passion, dream goals. <laughs> you don't come back from that. I I concur. You shouldn't start um, that. There are small things that I like in this episode. I like that a lot of times we see Jake and Sophia like looking at each other when there's a lot of like craziness. When Dr. Spaceman Esquire is shouting, if you look at that scene and you watch what's going on, Jake and Sophia are having like, like are looking at each other. They're not looking at him screaming until he starts making a real like a serious scene. Yeah, um, because they know that this is the end. Yeah, I think that was that was definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I. You you mentioned the charges and specs parallel, and I want you to talk about that. So the place where they have a breakup is right outside the precinct, in that parking lot in the dark, and it's exactly. I mean, I don't think it's exactly where Jake confessed to Amy, but it's in the same locale, like. That's where Jake says his piece and it doesn't do anything. 
It's not a good and spot happen- for him. That's what I say. It happens again here because he says it. That's you know, this is hard work. It's work I'm willing to do. And so he's like, I'm not. Yeah, and that's that's going to be really hard for him to deal with because the best he could do wasn't good enough. Is an easy way for him to spin it. It's not at all accurate. But but in this case, it's 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 not so much the best he could do wasn't good enough. It was actually kind of the opposite. The best he could do was too much. Well, arresting her boss wasn't the best he could do. Like, going sure. there was a stupid move. And what, that he has to learn not to keep doing that. He has to learn that he can't solve everything. He hasn't learned that yet. But, like... You mean the arc words of the year? Womp 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 you... womp. <laughs> you mean the arc words? No, but, like... I thought the arc words were like... Amy something something gonna stand up for myself. Sparkles. <laughs> that's Amy's arc words. Yeah. Jake's arc words were from the premiere where Holt's like, you you can't, what was it? You can't control everything and Jake's like, not good enough. Yeah, something like that. And Holt's yeah. arc words are, if you're here, who's guarding Hades? I mean, we can play this <laughs> game forever. No. Okay, first of all, Bo- Carl. Gina's arc words how... are, ah, because she's still sleeping with Boyle. <laughs> Okay, seriously? Yes. Stop that. Okay, I'm done. Second of all, you know I'm right about that. That's Jake's trajectory for the year. I brought it back so that you could be right. I fucking hate you. No, I'm just kidding. I love you. Uh, There's no middle ground in this world. (laughs) Very binary. It's because I work in software. I'm sorry. That's a terrible joke. Uh, When you mentioned the charges and specs parallel, I started thinking about that. And it occurred to me that... Uh, although Jake does most of the talking in this conversation also, in in Charges and Specs at the end, he's the one who walks away. And in this one, he watches Sophia walk away. Yeah. And I like that sort of parallel. Because, like, we didn't see Jake walk away. We actually fo- stayed focused on Amy while Jake walked away. But And the same thing happens here. I mean, like, this is bringing us back to the fact that Jake went after Sophia to get over Amy, and his goals in the relationship shifted a lot more than hers did. He started out wanting to have fun, and he thought, oh, maybe I can have something meaningful. Maybe this is a good call that I made. And she was like, this was fun, but it's really hard. And, you know, this started with a one-night stand that turned into a two-night stand. And now we're on, like, a six-night stand, and that's enough. (laughs) Well, three-month stand. Whatever. But, yeah. I was still sad to see Sophia go, like... I really did like her. I mean, I still, I mean, in spite of like her being like, Jake, why aren't you a dirty cop? In spite of that, I do still like her. I think she's awesome, but I also. She got some problems. I mean, yeah, she's got her own shit to work out and she's got her own ambition to deal with. I also think that she's pursuing her ambitions in a way that is like, not to the extent that I'll blame her for it, but a little bit cowardly. Well, yeah, it got hard and she bailed. Yeah, and not just with and not just with the relationship angle. Like, maybe she was looking for a reason to break up with Jake anyway. But I think she was. She I could mean, have turned I... her entire, like, law office uh, practicing discriminatory case assignment to her advantage. But that would have been a really hard road to walk. The yeah, the whistleblower is, road sucks. In this show, that's the right road to walk. That's what Jake would do. That's what Holt would do. Yeah, and I mean, there's nothing wrong with being cowardly. It's just that the narrative in the show doesn't really allow for it, mm. or doesn't reward it. Rather, um, I want to. I'm gonna. I I think that's everything. I want to finish with one one more point, okay. which was something that uh, this is Eve Six and I were chatting about on Twitter today. I we talked in the episode in the last podcast with Latoya, and we've talked about it brief, like on and off all season about when Jake is at his best and when Sandberg is playing, when Sandberg is doing his best work, but not, not just comedically, but also dramatically. And while I find Jake funnier on some level when he's being played straight, I also find Sandberg a lot more compelling when he's doing quiet, dramatic scenes like breaking up with Sophia. Um, specifically, I was telling This Is Eve Six something that occurred to me today, which is that much like Sarah Silverman, I think the razor focus that he that 
that Andy Samberg demonstrates when he's given moments like these, that razor focus where he's got to compartmentalize all that energy into like minimalism as far as like body gestures and all of his like micro expressions. I think that brings out a really excellent and interesting side of his abilities. I'm, I don't know. I, Sarah Silverman, I, I maybe can talk about this better with her. I find her over a little bit overwhelming when she's doing her comedy stuff. Mm-hmm. She's a lot of high energy. She's very, uh, you know, very like everywhere. Not, I don't want to say zany, but like she has, she has no filter and no willingness to sort of find limits. She goes well past the point of good taste a lot of times. Okay. But when I find when she's given an ex, a really like good dramatic role, for example, her guest spot on The Good Wife several years ago, she's extraordinary because all of that like world of energy gets concentrated into this like into into like a look a couple of gestures you know her body language and is like basically she like vibrates and she becomes magnetic and i find like when i was watching the breakup scene i i actually like put down my phone because i found what was happening on screen so compelling beyond like i didn't want to live tweet through it not just because i knew what was going to come but also because like both Eva Longoria and Andy Samberg were giving a really terrific performance. Mm-hmm. So I kind of just want to end on that note because, yeah, the, <laughs> you know, we play. The other thing I'd like to say after thoroughly skewering this episode is that I've been languishing with this season about how it's been spinning its wheels. And then this episode, it picked up all the arcs that it had established in the first half of the season and it kind of knocked them out of the park. It complicated them in ways I'm not comfortable with. But that is necessary for moving its art forward. And that's a generally good thing. I'm still going to be mad. They can't stop me. <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, I got to wonder how much how much of this episode ended up on the cutting room floor. Maybe not a whole lot, but, you know, maybe there's some good, like, Holt material that got left out. Mm. Yeah. Still, Oh, also, I... uh, they all drink together at the end. And Holt's changing and, has and Holt's changing everything to butt, and that's pretty great. God, that that end stinger was super great. Everything like I liked that so much. I liked seeing I for I liked that <laughs> my lady left me, my lady stayed. Like <laughs> That is so fucking dark. And he's calling her his lady. Uh and then and then I I don't know, I just what was it i'm a good cop i'm a lonely cop like there's a lot that went kind of dark at that ending bit yeah you know i liked it i liked it so much and even and holt at the end when jake's like okay 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 holt's like mine and he like kind of like holds on to his glass he's like mine <laughs> was that there's him? A, i thought that was terry i don't know i don't know i couldn't I, my my closed captioning said it was holt but i could be i'm de- probably i could be wrong i don't know but like that ending tag was super great I I I really liked that ending tag, and and I think I think what I liked about that ending tag so much is that we Terry once again speaks for the audience where he says, you know, uh, he says, Jake, you put yourself out there and you know you tried and you were in a serious relationship and it didn't work, but it's not because of lack of effort on your part or whatever like he says all the right things and i think think, that was and i think that that mutually reinforces with the fact that he's telling him that he made the right decision as a policeman he couldn't not make the arrest there and i hope that in the next episode he's like now you have to push this all the way through i think they've given Uh, themselves room to escape my criticism i don't think they will because the next episode is a tactical village Wait, like, the next episode sounds... when Sophia shows up. Yeah. But they're, it's hostages. She's in the hostages episode? Yeah, isn't that the next step? Let's, hang on. We're going to take a second to look this up. Maybe she's just in the stinger. Or the uh, or the open cold open. So this week was defense rests. Next week is a repeat. February 8th is hostages. 
and she should be in this, if I recall correctly. I'm going to double check. So it's been a couple weeks. Oh my fucking god, why are there so many goddamn pop-ups? Guest cast Eva Longoria as Sophia Perez, Cassius Willis as Agent Mazzarino, Seth Morris as Agent Pilm. They're at a Homeland Security sim. And Spaceman doesn't show up. No. There's no mention of Chris Pardell. Okay. Nor nor is he mentioned in the Wednesday incident either. Okay. Never mind then. Yeah, I don't think... I don't. If we get resolution on this case, it won't be till later. I do know part of the reason that... Okay, so real life, part of the reason that they can't keep having Eva Longoria on the show is because her pilot got picked up. Well, and because she's too good for them. (laughs) Not in terms of quality, but in terms of, like, star status. Yeah, yeah, she's definitely a star. Yeah. They could have Chris Parnell as much as they want. I mean, he's still doing Archer and shit, right? Like... I don't know. (laughs) Look how often they got Spaceman to guest. But, like, there's no point in having him around and not... uh, Eva Longoria. Anyway, uh, this this is a kind of fruitless, we'll see it when we see it thing, so I'd like to move yeah, to wrapping. But, yeah, I'm, I'm content to do that. Uh, yeah, no, like like I said, I I, I got to give a shout out. I'm glad I got to give a shout out to the, the, to Longoria and Sandberg's acting. That was like, that was a great, like tense moment. And it really is, it, it's really just. It's mag- not magnetic, but it's um, engrossing. There we go. Mm-hmm. It's engrossing. Cool. Okay. Well, that's everything we had. Uh, audience, if you have questions for us or, you know, comments or additional, like, squee or sad, because I, I was sad. If you if want you to talk rage about with be- me, come rage with me. We'll have a rager. Yeah. If- yeah. <laughs> a rager. Is that what that yes. word means? I, w- sure. I barely went to college. Oh my god! You went to fancy college. Well, <laughs> Maybe I, they don't have I ragers didn't there. Rage there, there were ragers. I didn't rage at them. Fair enough. From both of us the, to all of you, like at least this has three been back of you. in the field. Yeah, at least three of you. This has been back in the field. My name is Arthi. My name is Carl. We'll see you next week. Bye, everyone. Bye.